Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi. Really quickly, before we start the show this week, if you're liking what you hear, could you let us know? Go to the Apple Podcast app and rate and review us. This will go a long way as we try to grow our audience. You can do it while you listen, too. Okay, thanks, and enjoy the show. Welcome to On The Rise, a podcast about female college tennis players on the way up. On The Rise serves compelling stories and unique voices in women's college tennis. This is your host, Perry Shinen. In this episode of On The Rise, I will be speaking with Jamie Loeb, a University of North Carolina product and current professional player. Loeb achieved a career-high world ranking of 132 and has won over 200 matches on tour. Led by head coach Brian Kalbus and assistant coach Courtney Nagel, Loeb became the first Tar Heel to win an NCAA Individual Championship in 2015. Welcome to another episode of On The Rise Podcast. This is your host, Perry, and I'm joined today by Jamie Loeb from North Carolina. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, I know. I appreciate you having me and I'm looking forward to it. And where are you currently? I just finished training. I'm in the South Bronx at uh, Carrie Lee's. So I'm currently at the Tennis Center. (laughs) And um, yeah, so straight from the courts and right to the podcast. Is that your home club? Did you grow up there? No, I'm from Westchester. I don't know if you're familiar. I'm in New York, but I've been training here since the summer. Very cool. And so Most fans know you as a professional player, but you did start at North Carolina. And so could you tell me about that experience? Yeah, so I played two years of college tennis at UNC. I had an amazing time, left after my sophomore year to pursue professional tennis um, after winning NCAAs. So, you know, I, I do miss UNC, but I don't think a lot of people know that I have been taking classes this entire time. And I only have four more classes left until I finish my undergrad and I will finally be done with school. So I'm planning to finish by um, summer of 2022 and walk in graduation next December 2022. So that's been a huge goal of mine and I'm really looking forward to that. That is so exciting. And Going back a little, did you always know that you wanted to play college tennis before turning pro? Um, I didn't. I had a pretty good junior career. And towards the end, um, you know, I was deciding if I was going to turn pro or not. But, you know, my family, they're like, look, you can't give up a free college scholarship, which, you know, very fair and very fortunate that they pushed me to go to college. And uh, just I think I needed time to grow just mentally, physically, emotionally, everything. And I was a big stepping stone to my career and has led me to where I am now. And so freshman year, obviously transitioning from the world that was all about you and juniors to this now world that's all about the team. How was that transition? It was definitely a shift. And I personally miss it because tennis is really lonely. And then, you know, transitioning out of it from, you know, being in such a comfortable, safe, environment and having that camaraderie and support to doing it all on your own on the road going to foreign countries and not having that same support so I definitely had a lot of 
shifts in that regard. You know, it's awesome playing for something bigger than yourself and playing next to my teammates and cheering them on. I mean, from time to time, even when I'm practicing now, like in my head or out loud, I'll be like, go heels or here we go heels. Like it's, you know, it brings back such good memories and my teammates are my my best friends. So I'm so fortunate to have them and to have the experience that I did at UNC. And you played at a program that was already at an incredibly high level, but obviously going in and knowing that you wanted to come out as a professional tennis player, did that change your social dynamic at all? Just knowing that you were on that path? Um, You know, I told myself like if I won NCAAs and I would turn pro, but I definitely made the most of my time that I was there and loved balancing the social life and, you know, tennis and also just making sure I would, you know, doing everything that I, you know, wanted to do on the tennis uh, tennis side and getting extra time in with the coaches. But it was nice to have that balance and have that normalcy a bit because even in juniors, like it was just all tennis, tennis, tennis. And to have that experience, it's awesome. And unfortunately, not a lot of people on tour get to really go through that. And I feel, you know, I'm a big proponent for college tennis and just using that as a stepping stone. So for me, I'm very fortunate that I've had that experience. And to emphasize the goal that you just said, you told yourself if you won NCAAs, then you would turn pro. And the unrelatable thing that happened is that you did. <laughs> I did. And that is why I left after my sophomore year, which is a little bittersweet because I knew when I won that most likely I'd be leaving. And But I, I didn't turn pro officially until I got the wild card to the US Open um, that summer in August. I think my coaches knew that was going to happen. But, you know, I keep in touch with my coaches there and I'll go back and train from time to time and see them and spend time there. So it's really nice that I have that support and feel so welcomed um, because, yeah, Chapel Hill holds a special place in my heart and is my second home. And North Carolina has continued to have such a dominant career. And what does that mean to you? I mean, I keep up with the team. I keep up with most of the sports, actually. But, you know, I root so hard for the women's team, the men's team, and to see the programs grow and flourish. And it's awesome. And I'm I'm incredibly proud of Brian Cowbliss, the head coach, for all he's done and how much he's improved that program. And to see players like myself and Haley Carter to kind of like set that tone, it's really nice. And um, it makes me feel good. So for so many young girls that dream of playing professional, you are playing professionally, you're doing the thing. What does that entail? And really, what is the ideal for you? What is the goal? A lot of hard work, a lot of patience, um, a lot of learning. (laughs) I felt like it was a lot easier when I just started because it was fresh and, you know, I was eager and everything was new. And, you know, I was the young one and now I'm 26 and you see all these younger girls coming up and it's my sixth year on tour now um, officially. So it's like, I've, I've been doing it for quite some time, but a lot of people don't realize the sacrifices I have to make on a daily basis and the decisions and just preparing myself and giving myself the best opportunity to succeed. And it's, it's definitely not easy as much as I, you know, love to travel and see new places and meet new people. It's awesome, but it takes a toll on you mentally, physically, and emotionally. And um, 
I've definitely done a lot of learning and self-exploration through this um, time, especially the past couple of years of the pandemic. Um, but, you know, overall, I'm very grateful for this opportunity to be doing something that I love to do. Looking off the court, you obviously were talking about this incredible thing that you've done to continue to take classes while playing professionally, which is unbelievable and really a huge feat. And so what has been the lessons that you've learned from balancing all of that? I've just learned to kind of find things that I'm passionate about and life works itself out. I mean, I tend to get overwhelmed and feel like I have to get things done right away. But just knowing that things will fall into place, I have time, I will be able to accomplish whatever I want to accomplish. Like, it's okay. Um, And just learning to be a bit nicer to myself as well and giving myself more credit for everything that I have done and continue to do on a daily basis because I am a perfectionist. I want to succeed and do really well in everything I do. But sometimes it's tough when I'm doing so many things and also when I'm giving myself to other people because I care and I I want to help, but I also need to help myself. So that's a big takeaway and knowing, you know, when I'm 100% mentally and physically, then, you know, I can dip my toes in other things and be there for other people. But, you know, I just have to be a little bit more selfish and strategic on how I balance everything. That makes sense. And the sport of tennis is not necessarily built for perfectionists. It's not an easy sport for that. No. And um, to be honest, like, (laughs) unless you're winning the tournament, you're losing a lot. And that was a huge transition in juniors and college. I was winning a lot and I was very successful and it took me a while to feel comfortable week in and week out with the results on tour. I mean, I have had some success, but there's definitely been a lot of losses and that is a huge shift. And um, yeah, I've had to accept that. Obviously being a perfectionist, I'm sure there are a million things that you could change in the past, but looking forward on the future, what, what do you see? Continue to play until I feel like I have no regrets, get my degree You know, I'm a communications major. I would love to do some sort of journalism or broadcasting or marketing. Like there's a few different avenues. I don't know what exactly, but, um, you know, I'd like to stay within sports at least. Like I I love sports, but yeah, I still have some time before I really need to decide, but I'm always keeping my, my mind open. I'm also like an outside sales rep for um, Hard True. So it's like, I can't sit still and and do nothing. I always have to (laughs) have like 20 things on my plate. That is so cool. What does that entail for Hard True? Um, So basically like, (laughs) I'll give like my little like sales pitch, but um, you know, Hard True, they sell like on-court accessories. We do court resurfacing and anything you need for a tennis court um, and a first facility. And basically like I'll talk to coaches or people that, I'm connected with and see if they need anything. And then I direct them to someone else to kind of like get it all done. But um, it's nice for me to help out other people. And, you know, I'm trying to get UNC a new facility, but that's taken some time or some clubs. And just, it's a great way for me to feel connected and also feel like I'm a part of something and have helped someone do something. So it's kind of cool. That's so cool. And that really segues into our next concept of being a woman in tennis and obviously being a female athlete that, you know, you are a role model for so many other women in America and globally. And so could you just talk about what that means to you? <laughs> it's like tough for me to even think about that. <laughs> but no, I mean, that's, 
that makes me happy. Like I love to make an impact on people's lives in a positive way. And it just, it means so much, you know, when people write me messages or just like the, the smallest things. And um, it's crazy because I feel like I haven't even achieved like half the things that I want to achieve, but already that has made a difference. And um, I love talking to younger girls and helping them in any way I can. And, um, you know, cause I sometimes see a little bit of me and other girls in the younger generations and just helping them navigate. Cause yeah, I had people, I had my older sister and my siblings to lean on, but to like have someone that has been doing this can, and someone that can like, you know, help in any way. I, I would love that. That's lovely. And so women's sports only receive 4% of media coverage and it's so interesting, yeah, talking to you who majored in communications and also are a professional athlete. Where do you see the future of women's sports coverage? I hope we get more coverage. I think we're trending in that direction too, and especially on the media side and like women getting more opportunity as well to cover sports, but to showcase more events. Like I, I think we're heading in that direction, but, um, you know, people love excitement they love you know the physicality of sport and they tend to see that in male sports but there's so much more than just looks in women's sports and I think that's a big um, discrepancy of like you know people watch women's sports because of their you know body types and their attractiveness you know we're objectified a bit and that also leads into another topic of you know body image and how I perceive myself when I play and like I once again I'm a perfectionist but like I'm also very self-conscious of you know how I look and I have to look a certain way and you know when I play I wear sunglasses not the most feminine thing and like that stands out that's also I guess like my signature look but um things like that that like you wouldn't think anything of it because that's just a part of your score but it's like oh I don't look a certain way or you know people are like nitpicky like oh well this this person gained weight like you don't really see that on the men's side and it's just like for me that has taken a toll a little bit in that comparison of what you should be but also I'm an athlete I need to be strong I need to be powerful like there is no one body type but people tend to look I feel like the women like oh what just comparing bodies and I hope that changes a bit because people don't realize how much even though you're an athlete like you're not invincible like nothing is perfect like you can't just be happy all the time so just be like a little bit nicer and more conscious of how you're talking about these female athletes yes I cannot emphasize that enough and and did you find of uh, you know during your two years at UNC that body image was you know really a topic among the female athletes uh, not in school, to be honest, but I also, you know, after school, after I left, I've dug deep into nutrition and, you know, what works well for my body and being so in tune with how I feel physically, um, emotionally, like, and just what makes me perform my best, but then also, like, how do I feel when I look my best? Like, what is my best? And it's like that balance of, you know, performance goals, but then, body goals and sometimes it doesn't match up and that becomes pretty difficult hopefully now in college they're addressing that more but for me I also wasn't as in tune with myself as I am now right and especially when tennis is your life and your job then it becomes even higher stakes because as you said it truly is it's this vehicle for you to perform yep 
but you also have to be nice to it. You have to give it some grace. And sometimes I can be super rigid, but then, you know, it comes to a point like, you know, I, I need to be comforted and I love food. So it's that balance. And I think like we're always judging each other and like looking and seeing what this one is doing and eating and it becomes a, a vicious cycle. And like, you know, I can only speak for myself. I mean, maybe on the men's side, I'm sure this happens as well, but I think it's a little bit more common on the women's side. And I'm curious, what do you think about all of those fitness accounts on Instagram? Real, fake, helpful, not helpful? Oh God. I mean, I fall into that trap. I mean, my explore page is all these like different workout videos and all these different like healthy food accounts and I mean, it, I talked to my trainer about it and he was like, that's just not real. And, you know, Instagram is a highlight reel. But at the same time, I'm a professional athlete. I have to brand myself. I have to do things to put myself out there and I have to keep up with it. So that's also part of my job. And I'm also curious, what would you have told yourself at UNC before going pro? What would you have told yourself about the circuit and about this life? to surround yourself with people that love you and care about you, make sure you have a strong support system. I've gone through many ups and downs in my career and people that may not have been beneficial to me and then having to kind of reevaluate who I want to surround myself with on tour and have to make some selfish decisions because, you know, at the end of the day, I'm always going to be there for myself and I have to make sure I'm okay as much as I love my family, my friends whoever, like I have to find that within myself. And that just comes with finding the right people. And I think I'm at a point right now where I finally have figured out who I want in my life and like what roles these people play. And that takes time. And I'm sure that's going to continue to evolve. People change, like, you know, life evolves. Like I said, I've done a lot of (laughs) like, you know, reflection and, um, you know, for me having that support team is, has been the biggest, biggest thing for me. And so going back to the upcoming graduation, so in December, will you, you'll fly to UNC and you'll walk? Yeah, that is the plan. Granted, I have four more classes to take. I've been doing great this entire time. So yeah, it'll, it'll be a big moment. It'll be an emotional moment. I actually, I told my advisor too, and I was like, this will be the biggest accomplishment in my life other than, you know, winning a grand slam or a big WTA event, but I'm like, nothing beats this just for all the hard work I've put in, you know, to sit into the lectures, to train, to like juggle everything and to also want to do well. Like it's not easy. And um, a few of my friends on tour they're they've been taking classes too. And like, I give them so much credit and um, yeah, this, this will be a really awesome moment for me. And I know I'll be really, really proud of myself because I've been working so hard at it. You know, I, I told my coach, uh, my college coach, Brian, because he, to this point, he has not had anyone transfer and no one has not completed their degree. So I, I'm like, I want this for you. <laughs> like, I am going to do this for you. I think that'll just be the icing on the cake. That's an unbelievable stat. I did not realize that. Wow. And it says a lot about him as a coach and the program. You know, I'm just really fortunate that I chose that school. It's really cool. And if we were to go back, I'm sure there were a lot of other options on the table, but were there any others that made it to, let's say, the top two or three? I honestly didn't know where I wanted to go. My sister helped me a lot with the recruiting process because she went to Wake Forest. Um, She's nine years older. She knew a lot of the coaches. She actually got in contact with Brian and then my assistant coach at the time, Sarah, 
and it's like, hey, like Jamie's, you know, interested or and they're like, oh, like we had no idea. And so they, they thought I was actually going to Michigan because the Michigan coach would watch a lot of my matches. And I was like, no, I didn't have a dream school. I didn't want to go West Coast and be too far away from my family. I was looking at like UVA, Georgia, like Florida, but like nothing, nothing compared to UNC. And as we look to wrap up here, I don't want to take up too much of your time. Just just wondering, what was it like to lift the NCAA trophy? <laughs> it was awesome. I also had my sister there, my close family friend, Jeff, and my coach at the time, Felix. They were all there on top of my college coaches. It was just really special. It was emotional. Um, I feel like, you know, it was a sigh of relief um, and excitement and just like, you know, but also bittersweet. And, um, you know, I have to remind myself from time to time that like, you know, you did that and um, it's a big deal and a big accomplishment, especially since like what I'm doing now, tennis and um, being on tour, like, you know, you have to find the wins and sometimes, you know, reflect on some of those big moments um, because they don't come often. So it's been an incredible journey. And did you, you went into that tournament thinking that you would take the title? I had no idea because I didn't do as well my sophomore year. I was the seventh seed. I went three sets in all my matches except for one. So I was grinding. I was grinding very hard out there. And um, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't easy. And I still wasn't playing like my best tennis. (laughs) So I actually, I didn't know. I didn't know what to expect. Sometimes your best tennis is not your best competition tennis and so how do you navigate when you're hitting the ball well versus when you're playing well competing well yeah I just I have to accept and I've done a better job accepting that not every day it's going to look the same not every day is going to be great winning a practice match doesn't mean you're going to go win an actual match and for me I feel like I have to work my way into matches or into tournaments that you know some players are firing from the very first match and for me I kind of have to work my way in a little bit and just knowing like I can win playing B level, C level tennis. Um, it doesn't always have to be a plus or perfect. And it's not, I mean, it's very hard to sustain that. And even the top players don't do that. So it's just being as consistent as possible, but just knowing that even when I'm not feeling great, that I can still find a way. My name is Jamie Loeb and I am on the rise. And this is your host, Perry. And this has been another episode of on the rise podcast. This has been an episode of On The Rise, a tennis channel podcast in partnership with Behind The Racket and produced by Molly Scholson. Join us next time to continue our conversation about women's college tennis. This is Perry Shining, On The Rise. Hi, hope you enjoyed this episode of On The Rise. Before you go, I would like to ask you for a small favor that will make a huge difference. We would love for you to please rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts. This really makes a huge difference to get more people listening. So if you could take a minute right now to rate the show, that would be amazing. Thank you.